This podcast. I'm Jonah. I'm Nathan. And as always, brought to you by us. Today we have an amazing podcast. We will be continuing our bonus series, Ranking the Ice, where we will be ranking the top 15 to 1 left defense. We published an upload on Wednesday that was 31 to 16, so I'd listen to that first, as well as we've already done goalies, right wing, left wing, center, so I'd check out those first, maybe re-reference them, and during this time, stay safe, social distance, don't touch your face, wash your hands. Um, Do you want to start us off? Uh, yeah, let's do it. So, I kind of hinted toward this player. Um, I don't know if anyone remembers, but at 16, I had Ivan Provorov, and I said he misses my top 15 just because I feel like his skating is just a step too slow. So, at 15, I have a player who I thought wasn't very good, was below average, but he proved to me that he deserved this spot, and that is Jakob Slavin, or Jacob Slavin, I don't know, of the Carolina Hurricanes. I'll just call him Slavin. You might be thinking, why do you have him higher than guys like Rasmus Dahlin, Ivan Provorov, Keith Yandel? And I just feel he's so, so smart on the ice and with the puck that for me, watching highlights and watching games they play is very, very, very hard to miss. I don't know if I'm the only one who realizes that, but I do value that a lot. So I'm going to have him at 15. Like hockey IQ. Yes, hockey IQ. Yeah, that's a big part of the game because you got to know when to take a shot, when to make a pass. So that's big. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, at number 15 is Columbus's own Wierenski. Now, look, I know I grow them a lot that they weren't prepared for when the goalie, their best goalie, their best center, their best left wing, and their best right wing left. We've done all four of those positions. So now I can't make an excuse, but it's not even worth it. I feel like Wierenski is really underrated. You know, he gets overshadowed by better defensemen, but I feel like he's almost that player that's above average. just is. He doesn't exceed at anything like other superstars, but he's definitely not below average or even average. I've seen a couple of his highlights, and he's pretty good, you know? I like how... He knows how much to shoot and how much to wait. I think a lot of defensemen try and get as many goals as possible, and Wierenski knows when to draw the line. I think that's very big. And again, it's hockey IQ, but really, he's just a sneaky player for me, sneaking into number 15. Yeah, I mean, you'll see him. I have a little bit higher up on my list, and I'll get there when we get there, but very well said. At 14, I have Jay Bomeister of the St. Louis Blues. Now, he didn't play in the cup run because he was injured. And I think this was last week or two weeks ago. We were talking and referencing about a video that we both watched. and And I sent a link up in the description of that episode. And it says, will the Blues go back to back for Bomeister in it? And that reminded me of Bo Meester. And ever since then, I've been thinking about 
when Bowie Stern was a core piece of that Blues team, you know, before Pareko had developed fully, before they acquired Justin Funk. And he was really, really good, and you can't deny it. And obviously I'm becoming a bigger and bigger hockey fan as the days go on, or at least I feel like that. Partly thanks to this podcast and you, Jonah. But but just something about his game just really stood out to me, you know? Like, maybe he was overshadowed by guys like Petrangelo or Tarasenko, but it didn't matter to him, and he was still doing well, even if he wasn't the center of attention. Yeah, I am just a bit curious. And I will talk that if the positions, if they're, like, eligible to play, then we can put him there. But you made a choice between Pareko and Petrangelo. I'm not going to ask you now, but why didn't you put Pareko or Petrangelo at left defense? Did one of them have left defense eligibility? I believe so. Um, I'm going to check that out, but... um. Why didn't I? Well, I just feel that, spoiler, I'm going to have Petrangelo in my red defense, defense rankings. But for me, it was just about, like, he just wasn't – Pareko just hasn't – it's kind of the same with Delaney, if you know what I mean. He just hasn't fully reached his potential yet. He's still a youngster in the game. Not saying he's bad, but he's just not there yet. And I look right here. Oh, so, first of all, hear me out, okay? Okay. Big thanks to Cap Friendly. We, both of us use their websites. Phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. Capfriendly.com slash depth charts to check it out. On the very left, it has POS in capital letters, which is position. And it has Petrangelo listed as LD, left defense, and Pareko listed as RD, right defense. Then it... If you go one column to the right, it's a hashtag for their number. Then it's their name. Then it's their nationality. And then it's their, it says POS position again, where it has Petrangelo and Pareko as a right defense. I don't know why it has it twice. But I've always been looking at the position column closer to the right. And it would say D, like not LD or RD, just D, if the player could play both left defense and right defense. So I've been going off of that the entire time. I don't know about you. I have been going off the thing. So that's why we might have different, like, answers. Yeah, so we should have probably thought that through. But it is what it is. Nothing we can do about it. I really, we really, really apologize for that. It's diversity. Yeah, I mean, it makes for a good podcast, hopefully. But, so, for me at number 14, I have Alec Martinez. Now, look, I know some of you might not say Alec Martinez is deserving, and fine, fine by me. But, in my opinion, first of all, Vegas, you acquired him. Shout out to you. Like, I thought that that was a great acquire acquisition. I was about to say acquire. What? But really, 
I felt like he would play well as long as he got out of L.A. And he did. And I feel like L.A., like, they're rebuilding. Maybe it was that. Maybe he was playing with Doughty, which I really don't know why. That would be the opposite. But it, to me, held him back. And I thought that he would play better once he got out. And in my opinion, he did. He did not disappoint. So for me, that's why he's at 14. Yeah, I mean, I've never been the biggest fan of Alec Martinez. And I didn't even have him on these rankings. But I've never looked at it from that point where, like, Look, this is a debate we will probably have on season three, or at least that I want to have, is, I'm sure you can agree, there's players that are made better by other players, there's players that make other players better, and there's players that can play well with good players and with bad players. Yeah. And to me, why I didn't have Alec Martinez on this list is because he couldn't really play with bad players. Now, I don't mean to be rude. I don't mean to any of that. No offense, you know. You're not. Just because um, a player is low in our rankings does not mean he's bad. It does not mean we think – well, it does not mean his team is bad. It, this is just our opinion. Yeah. Sorry if I store your line now. Yeah, no, it's okay. Um, But – Something big for me, and you probably know this, is the ability to still put up points and play defense and power up a penalty or whatever on a team that's not doing as well. And I think Alec Martinez lacks that ability. But other than that, I completely agree with you. May I ask you a question off topic? Yep. Did you make a choice between Eric Carlson and Brent Brent Burns? Or did you put one of them at left or right? So, I saw both of them had only right defense eligibility, so I had to choose one. Really? Yeah. And so would you. They both say right defense. I know. And I'll get to it more when I talk about him, but I had to, like, go be above and like I had to go through so many sites just to see but that's besides the point I'll get to that who do you have at 13 sorry if that was off topic no I remember when we did that project and you compared two baseball players and I did Burns and Carlson yeah so I'll probably use that for reference I can send it to you if I still have it yeah what are we at? 13. At 13, I have Thomas Shabbat of the Ottawa Senators. Now, we were just, I was just talking about how, how I feel Alec Martinez lacks the ability to do well on a bad team. Thomas Shabbat is the opposite. He does play well on that Ottawa Senators team. And if he was playing on a better team, he'd play even better. There's not much more to it to me than that. And look, obviously, good players are going to be higher in our rankings. And I really do think Shabbat is is a good player, and I think he fits well at 13. Yeah. So, for me, 
I have at 13, Adam Larson of the Edmonton Oilers. I feel like we could have heard their name, his name, but there were two reasons we didn't. The first one is one word, so I'm not really going to justify it because it justifies itself, and that is McDavid. Just McDavid, Dreisaitl, their team is already so jam-packed with talent, it's hard to hear a third name. It's hard to even hear Dreisaitl's name. So I can imagine how hard it would be for a player on that team. Second one was, that team has always not been that good until this year. Now, look, I think I've always, first of all, I've always liked him. I always thought that, you know, he's underrated. We don't hear enough of him. But I really do believe that a player really represents their team. Not that I think that if a team doesn't do well or if a player does well, their team will do well. But I often find the teams with the better standings are teams with the better players. Naturally, the better players win games. So I feel like because of that, Edmonton was always low in the standings, so we never really heard these names. And now we finally do. Yeah, so correct me if I'm wrong, but if we did this last year, you would have had Adam Larson a lot lower. Yeah. Yeah, that actually makes sense to me. That's very, very well said. At 12, I have Josh Morrissey of the Winnipeg Jets. Now, I know the Jets paid him however much they paid him. I'll find it right now this offseason. And I was like, is that worth it? And now he's arguably one of the best, and if not the best defenseman on the Jets since Dustin Bufflin is uh, regressing and Jacob Truba's no longer there. And they basically have Josh Morrissey, Dylan DeMello, Dmitry Kulikov, Neil Pionk, Nathan Beaulieu, and Tucker Pullman on D. They also have got guys like Sammy Nuka, Niku, Lucas Pisa. Wow, they're actually pretty deep. But I think Morrissey is the best. And, oh, they paid him 3.15. So that's less than I thought. But they signed him for eight years. That's what it was. And I was like, really, an eight-year signing for this guy? And he's proved to me that he really deserves this. And now I'm starting to think he's underpaid. And yeah. we saw this happen before. I'm going to make a reference to the Bulls, Chicago Bulls of the NBA in the 1990s, where Scottie Pippen was the 122nd highest-paid player of basketball and arguably – Actually, not so arguably. Definitely a top 10 player in basketball. He was the sixth highest played paid player on the Bulls, excuse me. Which is crazy. Yeah, and... Could you imagine if... Sorry to cut you off, but could you imagine if Austin Matthews was the sixth highest paid player on the Leafs? Yeah. But also, not only that, it's just the point I'm making here is the long-term signing. He signed a seven-year deal in 1991, Scotty Pippen. Josh Morsey signed an eight-year deal, which is the most hockey allows. Well, basketball now only allows five-year deals. But hockey allows eight-year deals if you're re-signing with your current team. Basketball, five years. Back to hockey, though. He signed an eight-year deal this past offseason, 
I was like, this guy's 25. He's not old. He's going to go through his prime. But you're going to be banking on a 33-year-old player who hasn't been amazing up to this point. He's just been good. And now I'm starting to think maybe Winnipeg does have some smarts in their front office. And maybe he'll turn into one of the most underrated players. I really don't know because his prime is coming up, so we'll have to find out. Yeah, well said. And just, I'll get into it more, but I researched a site. I was going to say this before, but I just had to double check to make sure, you know, that it, it was true. One of Carlson and Burns can play the left. According to what source? I'll, I'll send it to you after the podcast. Okay, it's, like, it's yeah. too late now. I can't change it. I know, but I'll show you after the podcast. We are at 17 minutes, though. Yeah. And we're only at, I need to share my 12. Yeah. So I'll send it to you after. Um, for me, at number 12, I have Ekman Larson of the Arizona Coyotes. Now, I do have a question, just for everybody listening. Does the E and the L, is it like a combined word? Does each of them have a capital? I never really got that, but... Like, is there a dash? It's it's always confused me. But for me, Ekman Larson, it's kind of the same story as Adam Larson, but I knew his name. I knew he was, I always thought he was average, you know? He's just that guy that you hear. But then I really saw him play, especially this year with Arizona being a more team that you watch now. And I realized that their goaltending isn't amazing. And the thing that I think is keeping them from scoring goals, it's not actually their goaltender, it's their defense. And I think Ackman Larson is a big part of that. Yeah, I agree with 100% of what you said. And I'll speak more of him when I get to him. But at number 11, I have Zach Wierenski. I believe you had him at 15. It's kind I of did. a toss-up for me. I was debating putting him higher in my top 10 as well as lower in my bottom half. But I settled for 11. I just think, like, through the ups and the downs, he's a blue jacket for life. Mm-hmm. When they were okay, when they were bad, when they stacked up at the deadline, he's been and there a when- while. I don't think he's played for another team. When they're weirdly good. Yeah, when they swept Tampa through it all. Him and Seth Jones to me. Seth Jones used to play for Nashville. But it's I always have I always love players, have high respect for them, who are with one team for a long time. I'm not gonna get into specifics right now, but He's just such a big part of that Columbus Blue Jackets, and he's so valuable to that team. And this year, he could arguably be their MVP. Not the league's MVP, but their MVP. And I yeah, think I was, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I just think being a team's MVP, like, I don't know how many players on my left defense lift, list I would consider an MVP of a team. But whereas he is one of them. Anyway, go on. For me, at number 11 is a player that is really exciting to me. That is Miro Heiskanen. 
Now, I don't know if he was drafted this year or last year or a few years ago, but I know it was recent. I think it might have been this year or last year. But he just jumps off. I almost feel like I, when, before, I wasn't expecting him to. I knew, I thought he was going to be good. I didn't think he was going to be this good. Let's say that. And really, he has jumped off the bat. You know, he might not look like that good. Like eight goals, uh, eight goals, 27 assists, only 35 points. But he is a defenseman. And I think a lot of people forget that defensemen are supposed to play defense, offensemen are supposed to play offense or forwards. And if one of them mixes, that's just a bonus. If uh, Bergeron is playing defense too, that is a big bonus. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I and, agree with, yeah. Sorry to cut you off. Go on. No, it's just I feel like he is underratedly good. I like how he, I think, has a heart to win, and he does his job. And when you can get that, like, Brent Burns scores or, like, Victor Hedman, like, that bonus, how they can play offense and defense, that's what makes a player really amazing. So I think Heiskanen, nobody really looks at him because people say, oh, well, he doesn't score as much goals. But that's not his job. And I think if you take the time to look at his defensive stats, you'll agree that he's high, that he should be high on your list. High on anybody's list. I mean, yes. Forwards are supposed to score goals. Defensemen are supposed to defend. Goals are supposed to save. But it's an argument we've been having for a while now. And I don't want to spoil anything that's going to come out in a future episode. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. But... Mm-hmm. It really is a debate. Like, do you acquire players? Sorry, let me rephrase that. Like, someone like Bobby Orr. You and I both know he's one of the greatest defensemen to ever play. Yeah. But he wasn't defensive. No. I remember him for scoring goals. Right. I know one of the greatest players of all time with, for me, it's Gordie Howe, not in an order. But if we're going in an order, it's Wayne Gretzky, Gordie Howe, Bobby Orr. Yeah. And it's just, that's what he did. Like, obviously there are exceptions. Bobby Orr is a great example. Yeah, and I just want to chime in. It's a great thing when a defenseman can be considered in someone's top three, even if that's someone like me didn't know much about hockey when I decided that top three. I was very little, maybe like six years old, six or seven years old. I was like seven, but I still made that choice just about things I was hearing, things I saw, and I think that speaks volumes, that – a defenseman can be that good of a player without even playing defense. Like, 
when I was that young, when I was like seven, I thought he was a forward based on the amount of times I heard his name. Not to bring up any stereotypes that forwards score the most goals or are the most. And I, I don't think that, but I think he is truly amazing because he can do both. What about you? But, but, what were you But can he do both? Um, Nathan, sorry, but I'm going to cut you off just to say that you don't know what Nathan's talking about. Next week on Wednesday, we're going to do right defense. Expect that around four. Then Sunday, we do right defense again because we split it up into two parts. Expect that right around when you hear this around then, 8 or 7.30 or 8.30. And then the following Wednesday, we're going to do a sneak peek. And here's just a little teaser. Season three, um, the OGs on this podcast know it. Know it. I mean, and then the following Sunday, so two weeks from now, we're going to talk about the 24-team playoff, and then the following Wednesday, we're going to do pre-lottery projections, and then three weeks from now, the following that Sunday, so three Sundays from now, we're going to do post-lottery reactions. One of the major debates we had was just on the phone preparation Do you draft positional need? Do you draft a player you want to have big names? And then that evolved into, do you draft an offensive defenseman or vice versa? Or do you stick to defense plays defense, offense plays offense? So I kind of want to draw them in, draw the listeners in. So I think we'll get more to it maybe in our next podcast. But expect that coming out soon. So I think, I think also for time reasons, we should stop now and then pick it up in a future podcast, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You said you're 11, right? Yeah. All right. At number 10, I have Oliver Ekman Larson. Very similar reasons to you. He's been on Arizona for a while. He, I don't consider him defensive or offensive, more in the middle. He's like average. Yeah, he can do he can do everything. I just really like his game. I've never disliked him. He's just been a guy that always gets the job done and is consistent to me and is reliable. Yeah, for me for me at number ten, you you might have him higher or lower, but it's Mark Giordano. Giordano plays with this hustle, I can't deny, and I adore hustle. I think it's great how a team can lose, a team can suck, a team can be great, but they're trying hard. Even if you get blown out or you do blow someone out, you hustle. And Giordano is on my fantasy team. And I believe he won one of the things in the skill competition. or he part- I know he participated in one. I don't know if you won. But I think that speaks volumes to how hard he plays because – was it for hardest shot he might have been in? And regardless, I've never considered him that good of a player, that skilled of a player. And I think it's really his hustle that raised his opinion in my eyes. And I think that it raised in some other people's eyes. 
And then on top of that, he can put up good stats. I think he is the 10th best player, uh, left defenseman in the NHL. And maybe he's even better. Yeah, well said. But I'm going to take the even better approach, and you'll see I have him higher on my list. At number nine, I mark Edward Vlasic of the San Jose Sharks. This might come as a surprise to some people. Believe me, I might get bombed for this. I get it. I understand. Mark Edward Vlasic is 33. When he was in his prime, he played for Team Canada at the Olympics. And that stands out to me. When I've watched him play, I've always been like, this guy is Burns and Carlson. He doesn't need to play any offense. I don't know what anyone else thinks, but to me, he's one of the definitions of a defensive defenseman. And as we just mentioned, or as Jonah just mentioned, we have this ongoing debate. But nonetheless, he is so good at the other end of the ice. And it's a reason why the Sharks still have been, well, not this year, but in prior years, they still made the playoffs while rolling into Martin Jones, who on my goalie rankings was 25. Mm-hmm. Nothing against Martin Jones, but he wasn't the greatest goalie. And I think Vlasic really, really helped him out. Yeah, and for me at number nine, you might think this is too high or low again, because I think Giordano is less controversial than this one. And that's Quinn Hughes, brother of Jack Hughes. But really... He plays, again, with this, like, there's one other player on this list that I almost compare identical, but I do give the edge to that player, and I'll explain why. But I feel like Quinn Hughes is quietly one of the best defensemen, forget left-handed, defensemen in the NHL. I know that's a bold statement. Believe me, I get it. But I really think people didn't take him seriously, they didn't take uh, Vancouver seriously, and now they almost need to, and they should. And he's so good that when we were discussing when who's going to be a bust, I said Jack Hughes will because of his name. Now, you may not understand why that means that he's so good, but I think Quinn Hughes is so talented that they might take Jack Hughes not because of his skill, because of his name. Because they think it's like the same blood. He can be as good. That was, that was my thought process. And in my opinion, it's true. But more importantly, is that, you know, I think that speaks volumes to how good he actually is. And I don't think many people realize it. Well said. I really do think that's true. At number eight, I have Duncan Keith of the Chicago Blackhawks. I don't know if you said him yet or where you have him, but I don't know if he's played for any other team, but I don't think so. He won Stanley Cups. 
he used to be just so, so fun to watch and such a good leader and player. Obviously on a team with Corey Crawford in his prime was a great, great goalie. Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane, Brent Seabrook we, in, in his prime. We know those guys are absolutely amazing. But it couldn't have been done without Duncan. The leader of the defense, in my eyes, he only worried about himself. He got his job done and contributed to the team that way. That's just how I see things. He doesn't make the risky play. He makes the safe play. And I really respect that. And I have met number eight. Yeah, and he's higher on my list, and I'm going to talk about him when we get to him. But for me at number eight, I almost guarantee you have him higher. Just, if I haven't given it away, Morgan Riley. Just, Leafs fans, you know how good Morgan Riley is. And you know how underrated, in my opinion, Morgan Riley is. Like, Morgan Riley gets almost no credit, I think, because of Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Anderson... Um, Nylander, I could go on. But Riley can score, he can play defense, he is the whole package. And I feel like that he really takes the team to the next level. And the only problem is he does not have a line mate to play with. But in my opinion, that strengthens him because it shows that he can play well with bad players or players that are playing bad. He's had to play with Tyson Berry, who hasn't had that good of a year this year. Not like Tyson Berry is. He's had to play with Ron Hainsey, like Nikita Zaitsev. Um, what's his name? Marinson. Just not players that you expect a player like Morgan Riley to play with. But unlike most players, he didn't start doing worse. Maybe he started doing better. And I think that's what really takes him to the next level. Yeah. I I really agree with that. And I'm gonna get I'm gonna talk more about him when I get there. At number seven, I have Quinn Hughes. The kid's like 20, 19, 21. I don't know his age, but it's very, very young. Forget all the, he was so good that Jack Hughes was taken first overall and Lucas Hughes is a top prospect of 2021. Forget all that for now. He is the definition of a fun player to watch. Now, I don't know about you, Jonah, or anyone else, but I think he's offensive. And... He's an offensive defenseman. Not saying that's bad. It just is. And he's just... He plays with so much speed. He is smart. And he reminds me of Bobby Orr. He really does. And I, that you can't miss that. Bobby Orr is a top 10 player of all time in anyone's books. Probably even top 5. I had him at 3. Yeah. So... 
Quinn Hughes has such a bright, bright future. And that is a guy I would go die hard to get on my team if it was even possible. Yeah. For me, at number seven is Duncan Keith. Now, for me, when Chicago was winning the Cup, they're always, well, let me give you some back reference. The Leafs made the playoffs the first time, 2016. That was when I started following hockey, and that was the year after the Hawks won the Cup. So not only were they really good, I think they were actually President's Trophy, or maybe not President's Trophy, but they were the conference winners. I remember they played like Nashville, the eighth seed, and got swept, but that's besides the point. And when they had their glory days, their two Cup wins, there was three names. Kane, Taves, or Taves, and Keith. I always knew Patrick Kane. It's hard not to know him. He still is, in my opinion, a top two right right winger, if you heard the right wingers episode. Jonathan Taves. Maybe not top ten anymore. Well, I'm going to go see where I had him. He, Yeah, he's not top 15 anymore, but he was really good, and he can still play a role. But even when... The team was bad. I feel like Taves and Kane were always the superstars. And Keith was the glue that that connected those stars. He was the super, like, super glue. He is super glue. Not only does he hold those his team together, and that's why I think they weren't outright awful and that they're in a spot this year, but he can, can connect Kane and Taves because they both are players that like scoring, like like being the ones that get get on the highlights. And normally, when you have those two players side to side, you might disagree. It doesn't really work, and there might be bad blood in the locker room. But I feel like he held them together. It, he united them, and he made them better. And he also made his team better. When they weren't doing so well, he never gave up on Chicago, and I don't think he ever will. So for me, he's at number seven. Yeah, that was really, really well said. I must add. Thank you. At number six, I have Miro Heiskanen of the Dallas Stars. You can compare him to Quinn Hughes, just more developed. Quinn Hughes might be better than him in the future. But Heiskanen? Playing on that Dallas team, for me, could not be a better fit. He gets so... I know he was injured this year for a while. But he gets so many assists. Dishing off to guys like Klingberg, Radulov, Pavelski, Perry, Sagan, Ben. I could go on and on. He's just so... Such a good puck handler. So smart on the ice, I can't miss it. It's like, who did I say was like that? What do you mean? Like an exciting player? No, like a player that hockey IQ. Who did I say? Jacob Slavin? Yeah, you said Slavin was at your 15. Yeah. In that regard, hockey IQ, he's like Slavin. And that's why I have him so high. Yeah, now, I'm going to get pretty torn up 
just like I'm going to tear you up for Delene when I get to him. But I have a method to my madness. And I have Tory Crew. Now I know. Why is Charlie McAvoy not on your list? I will explain. First of all, Boston has four great defensemen. Tory Krug, Charlie McAvoy, Zdeno Chara, and Brandon Carlo. I could only pick two. Now, Chara's past his prime, I think we could say. So it came down to those three. Now, I ruled out that I was picking Carlo because Krug and McAvoy, I believe, can only play the left. And most people would go Actually, McAvoy. Jonah, I'm really sorry to cut you off, but McAvoy and Carlo both play the right. And Krug and Chara play the left. Really? Yeah, so it's the debate of McAvoy or Carlo. I'm really, really sorry to cut you off, but I just needed to make sure. Well, not on the site that I, I looked on Cap Friendly, but I also looked on other sites. I looked on a lot of other sites. Yeah, fine then. So, but. But, yeah. So maybe that's funny, but. What I was trying to get to was that my mistake. I feel like McAvoy, not that he's overrated and not that he's overpaid, but look, Boston's in a bit of finance, not financial trouble, but I feel like they have so many good players, they're bound to be. And it's like with, I feel like teams need to pick. They need to let someone walk, like the Leafs. They need to decide. Muzzin, Barry, they had to decide before the season. Dermot. And we still don't really know who they're going to pick. And I feel like Boston needs to make that choice. Assuming Chara retires, I got a weird feeling that McAvoy would leave just because he is the best player of them all. But Krug and Carlo would make an excellent first line, in my opinion. And they're cheaper. So for that reason, I don't know how much longer McAvoy is going to be a Bruin. And I really like uh, Krug and Carlo. I like their future. Krug is in his prime, so 28. Um, or not 28. Uh, 29. And Char, I've already mentioned, is really old. I don't even think. McAvoy is only 22, Carlo's 23, but you just mentioned that they both played the same side, and I feel like McAvoy is going to leave. He's young, he's good, but I'm just not feeling it from him, and a lot of people say that he's better, and I think it's about time we give Krug and Carlo some credit. It's not just McAvoy, but what it really came down to for me is that I think he has more offense than defense. And you either have the one you want or balance. or And the balance is a bonus. And I feel like he's too offensive. Yeah, I mean, I understand where you're coming from. And... Might save this for a later podcast. But you mentioned him wanting to leave. Or he might end up leaving. But does that affect how good he is? No, but he might play better on a different team. Like how Alec Martinez played better not on LA this year and on Vegas. 
or how, you know, Tyson Berry did better in Colorado than in Toronto. It really does. The atmosphere changes. The fans change. Where geographically it changes. It's hard to adjust time zones, adjust teams, adjust coaches, adjust fans. So there's a lot to encounter. And right now you may say that he should be on our list, my, on my list. But I feel like people don't give Krug and Carlo enough credit. So yeah, McAvoy maybe probably is better. But for these lists, I wanted to show some love for Krug and Carlo. Showing that their efforts don't go unnoticed because I feel like McAvoy is the rising future and Char is the future that's already rised, if you know what I mean. McAvoy is that young player that's about to break out and Chara is that old player that's already broken out. And they don't give Krug and Carlo enough credit. Here they go. Yeah. And I'm sorry, by the way, if I confused you by saying that McAvoy and Carlo both play right defense. No, 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 it's fine. But um, I don't want to get much into this, but I'm no like reporter, analytics, or whoever makes these sources. But I'm not really sure. And tell me if you know how one site might say players play left defense, but one site might say they play right defense. Like, isn't it evident? Well, it's just opinion, really. All of this is just opinion. Well, no, because and, they, if they're listed on the on the on the score sheets, I don't no, know. No, but what happens? A lot of players need to can play both, or player, or they have played both, maybe once or twice, and the scorecards need to make a decision. And sometimes people want them to play both, kind of like how it had Petrangelo at left. On top friendly. I don't think he is a left defenseman, but if it says he could play there, I'm not going to fight it. I think that was just they wanted to include them both. And I'd love to keep going, but we are at 46 minutes, so sorry if this is like an hour, but I do think we should move on. I'm not even going to grow you for Delane. No, I want you to. I mean, if you have no, if you have nowhere to go, then. It's just, I feel like this is already pretty long, so I think we should... Get moving. So who do you have at number five? All right. At number five, I have Morgan Riley. I don't mean to be biased. And I know he's an offensive defenseman. But I know he had a disappointing season this season, and he's come out with injury and all that. But when is the time we give him some credit? Like you were saying with Krug and Carlo. I agree. We need to acknowledge these players. And he's the Leafs' best defenseman. He's the best defenseman on the team. He's... I mean, I think he's very, very good with the puck. He can penalty kill, power play. He can do it all. I mean, maybe the Leafs' defense isn't the best at actually defending. But I really do like Morgan Riley. I think there's nothing wrong with him. And... Look, I was debating putting him lower, sure. But I'm not putting him here at five. Yeah, and I've decided for the Deline thing, I think I'm going to grill you in another podcast when we talk more about the draft. 
because my reasoning kind of goes with that. And I'll get to that. But for me, at number five, I have Roman Yossi now. I remember when Roman Yossi played with P.K. Subban. And that might have been one of the scariest duos I could ever I have ever seen. Because he can play defense and nobody can deny that. He's a defenseman and he plays defense well. And for me, that's what it comes down to. He's great at keeping the puck away. He's great at limiting goals. If he has to, I feel like he'd put his body in front of it. And he really puts it all out there, tries hard, and I really respect him. Yeah. Yeah, bless you. <coughs> Thank you. Bless you. At number four, I have Tory Krug of Boston. Now, he was just so good in the playoffs run. And he came so close. He deserves a Stanley Cup. And I'm saying that with Boston being my rival. But I do not believe he's better than McAvoy. And we'll get there when we get there. I do believe he's better than Carlo by a little bit. He's in his prime. And he's really, really a great all-around player. And for me, that stands out. So Yeah, I, and I, yeah. Verify, I didn't think Krug is better or Carlo's better than McAvoy. It was just, this is the only time I've done this, I promise, a bit of personal preference. I kind of like their styles better. Sue me. It happened one time. But for me at number four, I'm going to get into this more in a later episode. Rasmus Dahlin. And the reason I have him this high is not only can he play defense well, he can score. And he can score a lot. Him and Eichel as a scoring unit. And one of them is a defenseman. That just blows my mind. How one of the leading scorers is a defenseman. And I feel like Again, I'll talk about this when we talk about more. Funny enough, that whole offense-defense was about Delene and Eichel when we originally were on the phone. It was about the Sabres. So I thought that that was kind of funny. And really, that started my reasoning, that phone call. Yeah, well said. I, I apologize if the, if the sound quality isn't great. Obviously, we're doing this over the phone. And I also apologize if this is long, but let's get it done. I just wanted to say quickly, if it's okay with you, that we were talking about defensive offenseman, offensive defenseman. And I don't know about you, but Deline to me is an offensive defenseman. Yeah. And I was just thinking, thinking how nice it would be for the Sabres to have a defensive offenseman. And, spoiler, that's what I want for them in the draft. And so I think you can understand that. Or, I don't know, I hope you can understand that. And we'll get there when we get there. But I just feel that Sabres having a young young defensive, sorry, offensive defenseman, it would also be nice if they had a young defensive offenseman. That's just what I see. It's just in my vision, in my imagination. But we'll get them when we get there. I'm looking forward to that episode. Yeah. At, Who do you have? Yeah. So at number three, I'm Mark Giordano of the Flames. Long time Flame. Not sure he's played for any other team. He's going to retire soon. He's past his prime. But he's still good. He hasn't really regressed in my eyes. 
he's like, I really like the Flames roster. And I think he plays a huge, huge part of it. He's a leader on that team. He doesn't give in. He's got the hunger to win. <coughs> Excuse me. No, no, no. And it's fine. To me, he's just great. Yeah, and the thing that held him back really is his age. He's 36. He's past his prime. And I was just comparing to when Marlo fell off. You know, we traded for him. I think he was around 36. He fell off at the age of, like, 38. So that's two years. Funny enough, his contract expires at two years, but he did say he's a flame for life. So maybe he makes less, but he's making six mil. So around that last year, his last year of his contract, contract, excuse me, might be his last good year. That kind of held him back. Now, I would like to clarify that the next three players, the top three, I could have had in any order. I could have had the third at one. I could have had the one at three. I could have had two at one and three. I could have mixed this up entirely. And And originally, this player wasn't number one, and everybody else was bumped down. Then the player number two was at number one. Then I went with the actual number one. It's a big mess, but for me, at number three, I have Victor Hedman. Now look, Victor Hedman is one of the best defensive players in the NHL. Forget left defense. Just, he's one of the best. If I look at all the right wingers, I think my top five right wingers, he's definitely in there. Top three, not right wingers, just defensive players. Excuse me. It's 841. He's definitely in there. I think top three, definitely, probably. And I really do think that he's amazing, but he values offense a bit higher than defense. And that's getting to be a trade. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. And funny enough, I have him at number two as well. I mean, look, he's great. He's a great player, but I just feel like he's missing something. He's just yeah. he's just missing like obviously he's so good at hockey, but I don't really know if he makes Tampa better. Yeah, maybe it's Kucherov and Stamkos. Very well said. Yeah. For me at number two, I'll send you the site, is Eric Carlson. Now I was searching because like, come on, Eric Carlson and Brent Burns are so good. There's gotta be a way. So I was typing in things. And then I came across this site that said he could. And my mind exploded. And I think that he is a great player, but he does go a little bit down when he plays left. So I think that's why, you know, it's not really his main position. So it felt a bit wrong to me that only one site said he could, and I trusted it, and I put him at number one for left defense. That's just me. I felt that it was a bit wrong that maybe if that site was wrong, that I had him at number one, so he's at number two. He plays a great game, but he just doesn't cut it for me. Not that he doesn't cut it, but he's not the number one for me. Yeah. A number one for me is Roman Yossi. Now, to me, he is the definition of a player that's all around, can do it all. Hockey IQ, hunger to win, consistency, clutch, everything. He can do everything, and he's not bad at anything. He can score, he can defend, he can pass. Power by penalty kill, you name it. Once Subban left, and once Seth Jones was gone, once Ryan Ellis was regressing, 
Matias Ekholm wasn't as good. He stepped up and said, you know what? I'm going to take charge of this defense in Nashville. And he did exactly that. And he just got rewarded with a huge extension. And I love to watch him play. He's one of my favorite defensemen out there. No questions asked. Yeah, and for me at number one, I'm not really going to go so far into them. Again, just we're almost approaching the hour mark. But it's Alex Petrangelo. Now, really, it's that he could play left. And Cap Friendly is a very reliable site. He's at left. He's at number one for left. He's amazing. And I'm really hoping the Leafs can sign him because he can score and defend both amazingly. I feel like he can play such great offense, yet play equal such good defense. He is an, another all-around player. Now, we are approaching the hour mark, so I hope we can, you know, do this quick. So if there's any final words, and then you can sign them off. So do you have any final words besides, like, just if you liked it, subscribe. If you didn't, write a review. Tell us why you didn't like it, and write a review even if you did like it. And if you did like it, subscribe because you don't want to miss another podcast. Any final words? Um, no.